Hello, Becky, and welcome back, folks, to our podcast, The Rainbow Umbrella Group. And thank you for tuning in. And it's been a while, but thank you for staying with us. And um, we set this podcast up for folks who identify as lesbian. I'm Caroline, one of your hosts today. And let me introduce you to Becky, as you know, my amazing co host. Hello. Hello there, my amazing co-host, Caroline. Yeah, all good. Yes, it's been such a long time, you almost forgot what our podcast was called, didn't you? Yes, the yes. Group, yeah, um, yeah we, we've been incredibly busy and life's got in the way, which is not a good enough reason. But today's guest is going to be interesting, isn't it? Yes, really interesting. And by the way, happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride Month. Yes. We're going to have a busy month this month of lots of celebrations. And I hope all our listeners are enjoying Pride. And remembering what it stands for and where it's come from. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, again, our disclaimer. Uh, we're speaking from our own experience and not speaking for the entire community. And we just want people to enjoy the podcast and seek out the help they need to become their true self. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> um. Becky, you're looking great as always. I know you've been busy. Um, you're camper vanning around the place. Oh, well, I would be. I'm mid-moving, so um, that's been going on for the last six weeks. And that's because I'm all the things I wanted to do around my home before I rent it out yeah. are eventually getting done now that I'm moving out. <laughs> so that's that's taken up a lot of time, but I've had a bit of help from friends and um, from our community, actually. And it's like women are brilliant, you know. I'll tell you what, I've learned so much from so many. And my dad was brilliant as well. He gave me the, you know, he gave me the um, confidence to just have a go at things. So I do. Good. So been good. And what about you? Work, holidays? Work, holidays. Work, work is tough. Um, holidays are coming up. Um, living for the holidays. Um, going around the Balkans. And just, yeah, looking forward to just having a bit of a break away a mental break it's it's um it's been really 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 busy the last few months so I'm looking forward to uh having a quieter life over the next few weeks and kind of getting rid of a few projects that I'm working on yeah good luck with that because it's uh it's hard isn't it we spend so much time at work and the holidays are so precious Mm -hmm. so enjoy them when you can oh I will I will so I would love to introduce our guest today, uh, Rebecca, all the way from Toronto, by the way. We are such a multinational <laughs> podcast these days. But Rebecca is an aero race lesbian. An aero race lesbian is short for a lesbian orientated aromantic asexual. Welcome, Rebecca, and thank you so much for coming on our podcast to educate us more about an aero race lesbian how are you thank you good I'm good thank you thank you so much for having me I'm excited to be here and uh yeah I'm looking forward to our conversation perfect so Rebecca I suppose we always start with the same question Becky loves this question she usually asks it tell us about yourself and tell us a bit more about how you came to where you are today around being an arrow race lesbian Yeah, so um, I guess a little bit about me just as a human being. Um, So I work as a writer in healthcare, and that's something I've always been really passionate about. Um, And then I guess my other passion as of the last few years has also been doing a lot of advocacy and public speaking around 
um, my experience as someone who is aromantic and asexual and then also experiences attraction to women. Um, so I guess to, to sort of start, um, I'm thinking it's probably helpful to listeners if I actually explain just briefly what it means to, at least to me, to identify as an arrow ace lesbian. Um, to kind of give them that context before I get into the sort of how I came to uh, identify that way, I guess. So um, like you mentioned, Caroline, uh, being an arrow ace lesbian is the term I use as kind of the short form for uh, what is also known as being a lesbian oriented aromantic asexual. Um, and so what that means uh, is that I don't experience romantic or sexual attraction for anyone of any gender, hence the aromantic and asexual parts of my orientation. Um, but the reason I identify as being a lesbian is because I experience types of attraction that are not romantic or sexual in nature, specifically towards uh, other women, and I myself also identify as a woman. Um, and so what, what is known in the uh, Arrow Ace communities as the split attraction model um, is basically sort of a framework that kind of breaks up the types of attraction that someone can feel. So it could be romantic, it could be sexual, it could be emotional or platonic, it could be aesthetic. So like being able to look at someone and find them very visually appealing, even if it's not um, like it within a romantic context or something like that. There's sensual attraction, which is um, like feeling an attraction or pull to be physically close with someone in a way that's not necessarily romantic or sexual in nature. So that could be like, you know, cuddling someone on the couch or holding their hand. Like there's a pull to certain kinds of experiences that aren't necessarily what would fall in the sort of traditional, um, yeah, romantic and sexual sort of uh, buckets for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and so when you uh, experience other types of attraction, and are also aromantic and asexual. There's a term for that, which is called being uh, an oriented arrow ace. So oriented meaning that you do sort of have um, an attraction one way or another in a way that's outside of that sort of traditional romantic and sexual experience. And then because I experienced that attraction for women, I identify as lesbian oriented. So hopefully that kind of helps um, break down what my orientation actually means um, and kind of a little bit about why I identify the way I do. Um, and in terms of figuring out my orientation, it was kind of a long road. Um, I mean, I never really experienced uh, crushes on people or was never really interested in dating or romance when I was in school. So like high school, university aged, I just wasn't really interested. Um, and I didn't really understand everyone else's interest in it necessarily either. Um, it kind of seemed like a little bit like, oh, like they're imitating what adults do or like what they see on TV, but I didn't understand that there are actual um, attractions and sensations and things that were kind of drawing people to these types of experiences and relationships. Um, and so later on, I would say in my early 20s, um, I came across the term asexual. Mm -hmm. um, and so that wasn't really a term I had ever heard before growing up. Um, I, I also grew up in the Toronto area where I still live. Um, and so it's not like it's like the queer community is non-existent or anything. Even I'm 20, almost 28 now. So even when I was growing up, say, you know, between like 10 and 15 years ago, like it wasn't like it was unheard of, but I also don't think it was very 
um, prominent sort of in my, my local communities and then the circles that I was a part of and things like that, like social circles growing up. So I didn't have a lot of opportunities to kind of be educated or exposed to those types of different experiences and different orientations. Um, and so it was literally just um, a matter of I actually um, had heard the phrase or the, the word asexual somewhere and I didn't know what it meant. Um, and I just, I was like, oh, I should look that up. Like, I feel like I should have an understanding of what this means. Um, you know, used good old trusty Google and saw the definition being about not experiencing sexual attraction. And I was like, oh, holy crap. That's, that's sort of like a light bulb moment. This is, this is my experience. I didn't even know that it was different from others necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was the first time that I, I really, um, found a word that kind of described an experience that I was having that really resonated with me. Um, and then, and then it was a little bit longer to, um, figure out sort of like what my romantic or lack of romantic orientation was, and then subsequent kind of forms of attraction. Um, so I can talk a little bit about that, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I have a question for you. So you don't date women. Um, is that correct? So actually, sort of. So I, because again, there's kind of a lack of terminology. So mm. I do date, but not in the traditional sense. So um, in the Arrow Ace communities, there's what is known as a queer platonic relationship. Mm. And so that's like a platonic relationship or friendship kind of type thing but it's with the level of commitment that you would expect from a traditional romantic relationship okay if that kind of makes sense and so there isn't really a good term for when you're getting to know someone in the context of hoping to potentially be in a queer platonic relationship with them except for sort of the term dating which everyone kind of associates with romantic and sexual relationships mm -hmm. so um I don't, I don't date with the, uh, like in terms of looking to get into a romantic relationship or partnership with someone, but I am interested in sort of committed partnership. That's not romantic or sexual, if that kind of makes sense. This is fascinating to me because, um, I'm not a big fan of labels, but actually everything you've eloquently described now has helped me very easily understand you as a person reflect on me as a person, certainly growing up. Um, I've got a couple of friends who are absolute companions. They have a house, they have uh, other commitments together, um, but they don't have the same orientation, but they are absolutely happy and committed together. And it's really hard because when, when it's bad, bad enough, hard enough being a, a lesbian and actually working our way through a very heterosexual world, but actually with further labels, it's narrowing your field down. But moreover, because you've got those labels, it's enabling you to be upfront and honest and not invest time to start with. And everybody's very clear on where things are going. So I don't think there's really a question in it. It's just, wow, thank you for sharing these terminologies, which I've never heard of asexual. But apart from that, I have no idea about a romantic. Um, so the mixture of the two, um, fascinating. So. Your journey obviously has been really intriguing, but moreover, you've actually found other people and communities and help groups or, or how does it work for you? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, well, to answer it in short, yes, I have found other people who identify similarly. And I think a lot of the um, aromantic and or asexual communities tend to be in online spaces, I think, large in part for that reason, right? Like it is very hard to um, in day-to-day life, just stumble across someone who is in your geographical location or in your social circle already who has that same or similar kind of orientation. Um, but yeah, so in online spaces, I find I've met a lot of other people with similar experiences. Um, you know, as much as there are a lot of drawbacks to things like the internet and technology and social media in some aspects, um, I think it's also been a really good connect for folks like me who have a less known orientation. Um, And even with that, um, you know, I think that a lot of traditionally sort of heteronormative uh, spaces and uh, applications, for lack of a better way to put it, in life have become a lot more LGBTQIA plus friendly in the last number of years. So like, for instance, I can go on Um, a dating app like OkCupid um, and they actually you have the opportunity to put that you are aromantic or uh, asexual or you can pick more than one orientation or you can just identify as queer or of course if you are straight you can like you know so it kind of opens up doors for um, more types of people and for people to find others who are sort of interested in the same thing as they are so I I can say um, and I don't want to reveal too much just for her confidentiality and anonymity, I guess, but I did connect with another woman who is about my age and has a similar orientation to me on that app. And we've actually gone on a handful of dates now and that's been going really well. So that's something new, but it it did allow me to find someone who has a sort of similar orientation and is looking for a similar sort of type of relationship um, and then being able to connect with them. Um, can I ask, so you mentioned you were, you used the word date. So that was interesting because I was like, do, do you call it a date? But do you feel the same excitement as if you're going to meet someone special rather than meet your friend from college? Is Yeah, it's a hard question for me to answer, I think, because of course I haven't had the traditional romantic experience before. So I don't know that I can say like, yes, it's similar to what allo people, which is allosexual or alloromantic just means someone who experiences romantic or sexual attraction. It's like the opposite of aromantic or asexual. Um, So I can't say that my experience is the same as them, but I do think that there is like a, a different kind of um, feeling that kind of comes with that. Like I mentioned, there are other forms of attraction that I can experience, um, you know, some of which are aesthetic or sensual, emotional. And so I think that there is, um, yeah, it's, it's a different kind of feeling when getting to see someone who you are for lack of a better word, dating. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I think that it's, it's different from kind of the situation you described too, and that, even though it might not be romantic in nature, like we, like I would see someone I'm dating significantly more than I might see a friend from college, right? Like when you're looking to build a partnership of any kind with someone, um, I think one of the elements has to kind of be that consistency and that getting to know one another. Um, And so I think that that element of it too kind of plays in and that it's not like a one-off and then it's not someone who I won't see for a long time. It's someone who I'll see fairly 
fairly often um, as we try and, you know, cultivate that together and determine like how compatible we are and where this could go potentially. So um, yeah, I can't say that it's the same or different, but there is a difference for me compared to, I guess, like other relationships or other um, experiences when getting together with someone who is a friend or a family member or something like that. Yeah. I remember at uni really struggling because remarkably I, I shared a house with five other girls and all of them met their future husbands at uni in Freshers Week. And it's like, and they're still together, apart from one. Um, and it's like, wow. And, and I remember being there thinking, what's wrong with me? Um, not that I, um, I don't know, I just thought, why, why am I, well, I felt different, but I didn't know why I felt different. So if you were advising somebody today, obviously the world is far more woke, for want of a better word. Um, to all these labels and classifications, how would you advise somebody to go and find out about it? Obviously you've got Google, but I, I don't know, the Urban Dictionary is where I find out about the words, but that's not really a robust way of finding something out. Yeah, um, I think that it really depends um, because you know I think that kind of like you were speaking to earlier, Becky, there is a really um, helpful aspect of labels for so many folks where, it's not necessarily that in like my case, I want to necessarily label or classify every aspect of my experience, um, but that it is a really good tool for making it easier for me to help explain that to other people and also kind of um, helping sort of normalize that for myself and kind of give myself some uh, basis that kind of solidifies like why I feel how I feel and what I feel and kind of knowing that it's grounded in something real that other people experience. Um, but that said, I don't think that, you know, if it's not something you want, I don't know that you need to put a label on your experience necessarily. And I think that, um, you know, people can use labels in different ways. And so there's sort of like a liberal kind of, you know, definition or way that labels are used to kind of classify things. Because you talk to someone who, you know, has a certain orientation even if there's a lot of similarities in terms of like who they're attracted to or how they experience attraction, their experiences aren't going to be exactly the same. So I think my first thing that I would say is, you know, if you think that a label would be helpful to you, then by all means, seek that out. And if you're kind of okay, just having your experience and letting it be what it is, and you don't feel that need, then I would say kind of don't worry about it, like use it as much as it's useful for you. Um, but in terms of how to actually learn more. I mean, I hope that as uh, to us LGBTQI plus orientations, different types of relationships, different gender identities, like all of these things become a little bit more normalized and become a part of our day-to-day -day society. Like I'm hopeful that eventually it will get to the point where, you know, there'll be more representation of these things in TV and in media and just even in the, you know, day-to-day -day life, like people, you know, at work or school, like you might have more, representation. Um, but then I think if you're looking to really like seek out resources, I mean, I do think, you know, the internet is a great place to start. There are a lot of um, like groups or organizations, um, some that are like international, some that are for specific geographic locations or are tailored to people in a certain area um, related to different orientations. So it could be a more broad like LGBTQ uh, IA plus group, or it could be uh, like in Toronto, we have Toronto Arrows and Aces, which is like a little group for aromantic and asexual spectrum folks. Um, 
And so I think it really just depends on the type of resource you're looking for. But I think websites, books, groups um, where people are kind of coming together to explore these things and talk about their experiences and just meet people with other experiences are all really great places to start for someone who might be looking for that kind of information. And I suppose, you know, for any relationship, heterosexual, LGBT, you know, as the years go on, a relationship changes. And I think there could be a part where going, you know, sex might have weaned off at some stage and they're living together as a platonic relationship. They they are attracted to each other in some way, but all the other start of a relationship, things have weaned off and that's where they are. And I think there's a lot more Eros people out there or lesbians out there living together in a platonic form um, that we we probably haven't thought of it like that. Would you agree? Am I right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that um, it's really interesting because I think that, I mean, a couple things. One is that yes, people who experience romantic and sexual attraction are typically in like a very traditional romantic and sexual relationship. Um, But there's no reason that if someone who is, say someone who is straight or someone who is a lesbian or bi or pan, someone who does experience that kind of attraction, if they wanted to, there is no reason why they also couldn't choose to be in a queer platonic relationship or another form of relationship in terms of like who that primary partnership is with, right? Like, um, so I think that uh, a lot of times people kind of go along with the model of meeting a romantic partner and getting married and all those kinds of steps that are sort of just laid out for us Mm -hmm. um, as a part of how our society operates without necessarily, you know, really needing to think about why it's just kind of like what you do in the next steps of life. Right. And so I think that there are a lot of opportunities, even from the get go of different ways that you can choose to be, you know, in relationship to other people or to a partner or to multiple partners, if you're poly or something like that. Um, that kind of fit outside that norm, if that's something you want to explore. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, relationships will will change over time. And so um, I, I think that, you know, orientation is probably sort of um, something that stays fairly consistent throughout, but it doesn't mean that your feelings towards someone or the way you connect won't change. Um, and I think it's also just hard to, to know because it's something we don't talk about a lot, right? Like, again, there's kind of assumptions made that if you are in a relationship, you need to be, you know, doing certain romantic things and having a certain amount of sex and things like for your relationship to be quote unquote normal or to be viewed as like healthy and legitimate and stuff. And so I think a lot of times people don't talk about it um, if relationships do change and stuff. So I think it would be really interesting if more people started having those conversations Um, because I think you're right, there probably would be a lot of variation in terms of where people are at and how they relate to their partner or partners over a period of time, especially when they've been together for a while. Yeah, no, I I think we just didn't have a name on it as, you know, years into a relationship. That's probably not always, but, you know, you have to keep a relationship going or sometimes people choose to just, you know, we're going to stay together, live together in this way. And, uh, you know the sex has weaned off or something's gone on and yeah I think I think there could be a lot more 
that because you're the first person I've met that have used those words, but I reckon you're the first, I, you're not the first person I've met that is an Eros, Eros lesbian. <laughs> Go for it, Becky, you're on mute. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask in terms of, we, we usually ask about coming out stories as well. So have you had to come out? And did, was it just a natural thing that just happened? Have you had any negative experiences? Have you had any positive experiences? Yeah, so when I when I fully realized my orientation, I did choose to come out. Um, at that point, I think I was still sort of determining like whether any type of relationship or partnership was kind of something I wanted for my future or not. So I didn't know that it would affect um, things so much in terms of like who I chose to partner with potentially down the road. But I think that there is kind of an expectation that when you get to a certain age, like that you will be interested in dating and romance and that you will eventually have a partner and settle down. Um, and so once I knew what my orientation was and felt confident in that, um, I did choose to come out um, mostly. So there are a couple of people who I kind of came out to casually in person, my sister, one of my best friends. Um, and then a lot of my other good friends, I just kind of let them know casually by text. And I think that the other big driver for me was that I also wanted to be able to speak about my experiences more openly and share about them openly, um, knowing that there are probably a lot of other people who might have had or been having similar experiences and not, you know, had the words to, to understand what their experience was or might be feeling alone in their experience because there is not um, a lot of aromantic and asexual representation, um, you know, in media, in society, just in people in your day-to-day -day lives. So I kind of wanted to be able to do things like this and have conversations where I could be really open um, about my orientation experience. And I didn't feel like it would be fair to do that without first sort of having that personal coming out with the people I'm close to. Um, and I would say that largely it's been a very positive experience for me. I mean, I already knew that you know, my good friends and people who are my chosen family or people like my sister would be very supportive of me. Um, and yeah, even, even people who are maybe more peripheral in my life, who I've come out to for one reason or another, like some of my coworkers at work or other people who are kind of more um, like acquaintance or sort of like more distant friends who I see occasionally, sometimes it's come up, sometimes it hasn't. And they've always been very receptive. Um, I think the one place where there can be a little bit more negativity is some spaces on the internet. Like I personally choose not to be on Twitter for that reason specifically, not just about um, aromantic and asexual related things, but in general. Um, but I do know that that's a space and other spaces online are places where uh, folks who are doing activism and have a similar orientation tend to experience a lot of pushback, a lot of opinions, maybe some negativity. So um, it's certainly not widely accepted by everyone, but I think I've been very lucky that I've got a lot of great people in my life and the right kinds of people in my life. And they've been really, really supportive and encouraging. And that's been really nice to have. Yeah, that's lovely. That's really nice. But I agree with you. Twitter can be a very angry place. So <laughs> I tend to avoid it. Even just to read anything on Twitter can can raise your blood pressure. <laughs> I've never tweeted in my life, nor tweeted. I think I tweeted twice in my life. And yeah, but um, yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And you have to keep safe and look after yourself as well. That's important that you don't need any crazies um, telling you what you how you should live your life as well. Um, I know 
Rebecca, you were saying that there's some books that you'd recommend if people want to learn more about to read. What, what are they? Yeah, so I think a great book with um, Arrow Ace representation is uh, Loveless by Alice Oseman. So she's actually um, an aromantic an asexual spectrum author who penned this book. And it's sort of the, the one really good piece of representation I've seen in fiction. Um, and then I think if people are just generally looking to learn more about uh, aromanticism, asexuality, um, there are a lot of great websites like AVEN, the Asexuality Visibility and Education Network um, has a lot of great resources and also a forum where you can kind of connect online with other folks who, um, might have a similar experience or there's like a, a board for friends and family of people who identify as being arrow or, and or ace. So um, yeah, lots of great resources out there, but I would definitely say Loveless is one of my favorite books to date that kind of has a character like me and that's so awesome. So yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. That's great. Rebecca, it was so lovely to talk to you today and thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Um, what a lovely story you have. I wish you every success with your life and happiness um, and it would be lovely maybe to catch up in a year or two time to see how you're getting on and 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 just to have a chat again yeah that would be great thank you so much for having me this has been so much fun I really appreciate it oh, it's been you. brilliant from my perspective as well just uh, thinking about labels which I have a bit of an issue with but actually you know in this situation it's really helped somebody and it's helped them to be authentic, which is the other big thing that I feel very precious about. So uh, it's been it's been fascinating. So thank you for spending the time with us and speaking so eloquently. I appreciate it. Every day is a school day. Absolutely okay. fascinating, wasn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, and it's lovely to have an understanding of what that is, because I certainly struggled trying to understand how does that work? And if you're in a relationship, how does that relationship, what does that relationship look like? But it, it was it was really interesting. And I reckon in our community, we have a lot more um, air, Ross, air, ace, lesbians. Yeah, it's, it's, it's aromantic, which is a word I never heard of before. So basically not interested in romance and asexual, which I have heard of before. And it's aero from the first bit of that and ace, second bit. So aero, ace. So, yeah, it's, um, as I say, I've never been a fan of labels, but for me, I think this could really help people twofold. One is, as you said, to explain where you're coming from yourself, so to be understood. Uh, And the other, I think, is to to live your authentic self, you know, because if you're forever, we can't help comparing. It's the worst thing we can do to a certain extent, but we're comparing ourselves all the time. And it's like, I remember asking myself, well, why am I not with anyone? Mm-hmm. you know so all these labels I may be coming around to thinking there is a need until we are educated to have them yeah so maybe that's my latest stance okay. <laughs> I cut all my labels out of my t-shirt as well that's how anti-label I am <laughs> I just like cutting them off because I don't want to see the size <laughs> depress me <laughs> yeah I'm back on the diet oh I'm not even on that section but no it is it's look it's 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 so important to keep educating ourselves and keep talking to people and understanding what's going on there's a lot of crazy happening in this world at the moment there's a lot of homophobia transphobia and every other phobia going so it's just really supporting all the people in our community and like 
just making sure everybody's okay because like we talked about twitter and the angry places to stay away from that, that you know mm-hmm. people who can attack you um especially those keyboard warriors that are hidden yeah it's it's a, it's a we just got to go back to the simpler world and we and try and be kind treat everyone as we would like to be treated mm-hmm. and i think we have a responsibility to try and understand where people are coming from we don't have to agree with that no but actually just the acceptance of, okay, there's a different perspective on the world. Yeah. Um, it's not what one I agree with, but, you know, we still need peace here, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned Pride Week. Yes. Yeah. Busy. Very so tell us more. Tell us more. Oh, well, um, I, um, so I'm a co-lead in, in, um, in Pride in, in, in our, my office. So myself and my colleague have been organising Pride. And Pride in Dublin this year is very interesting, actually because it's all about sustainability. So you know the way there's an anti-pride corporate group who will kind of, um, who are LGBT, but are anti the corporate organizations in pride. So there's no buses. There's none of these double-decker buses or fancy. Everybody's walking because you're charged per, if you have a big diesel bus, you'll be charged for it a lot. So every, it will be interesting to see the difference this year. Um, we have 60 people registered from work who are either LGBT or allies and um, and they're bringing guests and kids and the weather's meant to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's Glastonbury weekend. Of course it's crap. <laughs> oh, my God. So fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. Um, but it's a lovely group that will walk for about two and a half kilometers. And then we've booked a bar, our own section. We've got people doing it up for us. Like some of my colleagues are going to go there and, you know, put up bunting and everything. And um, we'll have drink and free food for the night. Um, so, yeah, it'll be good. Um, I have some of my friends dropping in because I'm not going to see anybody on the day of Pride based on I'll be with work. So, yeah, I'll be busy. But are you doing anything? Well, I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to move, so my weekends have gone all over the place. Did debate going to Blackpool Pride, but that was quite a, a journey up. Um, I normally go to, well, I lived in Brighton for a, a short stint, so I've been there a couple of times. I've obviously done the London one. But for me, I'm quite pleased about this less corporate side of it, because obviously the stance of why we're marching is... You know, we forget that and we think mm-hmm. it's just about a party and it, it isn't, no. you know, it's OK to celebrate at the end. But actually, the purpose of walking is so, so important. And we all should be a bit more mindful of the environment, shouldn't we? So well done, Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping for I'm going to have to do some Sundance. And then <laughs> I have uh, my friends, a lesbian wedding on Sunday. It's been organised three times in the last two years. Oh. So finally, they're getting married. And um, that'll be nice because I'll be hanging out with 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 my friends and the community as well. It's always good to see a yeah. celebration of love, isn't it? Yes. So that's lovely. Really nice. Really Do you nice. have some content? Well, no, but I, I, that's because I've been a bit too busy, which is not a good excuse, really. Um, but I thought I ought to share about some of the forthcoming festivals. So if you ask me the dates, I need to look them up because I've forgotten them. But uh, they're... There's a couple of festivals coming up this year. Um, and the reason I thought about this is because I've got a lot of friends over in Lesbos at the moment. Oh. They've all gone over for the summer solstice and oh. they're really enjoying themselves. Um, and yeah, 
I thought, well, we ought to mention all the various festivals that we've got going on. Mm-hmm. So I think the first one for us is, is Elfest, and this is going to be the last ever Elfest. Um, and basically, um, it's going to be in Landudno, where it's been for the last twice it's been held. Um, and it's on, let me just double check the date, that Friday the 22nd of July until Monday the 25th of July. And that's and, Wales, isn't it? It's in and Wales. that's Landudno's in, in North Wales, Northwest Wales, and um, actually it's North East Wales. And um, it, it's been most glorious weather the last few years. So obviously it's been off for the last three. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit like Glastonbury coming back after three years off. So there are still tickets available. They're on the resale and mostly those are on um, Facebook. And then the other festival, which is after this one, uh, which is a smaller festival, and it's only the second one, second time it's been held. Um, and this is in the furthest northwest you can get just before Scotland in England. So it's uh, in the Lake District. And again, this is a small lesbian-centric, lesbian ally um, festival. Mm-hmm. And this is being held in Armathwaite. And that's on the 12th to the 15th of August, uh, 2022. Becky? Unity Fest. Unity Fest, okay. So if you go to unityfest.co.uk or indeed the Facebook group, um, I think they've got an extra field, so therefore um, some more tickets have have come available. And then for those of us who want to jet set, but by the way, guys, both both Elfest and Unity have people coming from all over the world to this. Oh, wow. Um, So I know my Aussie friend is coming over from Australia to go to Elfest. Um, so it's like it's it's amazing. So and I've met so many interesting people uh, at these festivals, and you know I'm a big fan. So when is the Scala Women's Festival this year? It's late September. That, isn't Sorry, isn't it later in September than normal? Let's have a look. Uh, so again, as I know, there's quite a few people over there at the moment. So this year it's the 10th to the 24th of September. Yeah. So um, are you not going this year then? I don't think so. Actually, I'm only just back from holidays when that's on. So I probably won't make it. No, I'd love to. I'd love to as well. And I'm I'm most uh, envious of the guys at the moment because it's been the summer solstice. So I've had a couple of friends walk up to the top of um, Snowdon for uh, sunrise. And then lots of people walked up to that beautiful chapel at the top in Lesbos and photograph the you know the sunrise then so both of those things I love doing so yeah um but they're the main things for me really so just don't forget that there are festivals about all of these festivals have a solos um activity so don't be frightened of going on your own the other thing because this is how I started everything is um I just went and volunteered so I don't know if they're still looking for volunteers but as Caroline and I both met volunteering in Lesbos, um, you may have an opportunity to do that. So don't be too nervous of going on your own and they're a friendly bunch. They don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you want them to. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> well, Becky, it was lovely yeah. to see you. And um, look, I know you're busy with moving and, 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 and changing your life, which is fantastic. Um, I need to get paint off me. <laughs> but great to see you and folks hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'd love your feedback and do rate our podcast so 
Thank you. Bye. Bye.